calm down, Greg. It's soccer. Welcome back, everyone, to the Virtual Pubs Premier Pod. My name is Kyle, and I'm alongside Max and Tim, and we've got our Match Week 14 review episode today. We're back to our normal content schedule now, so no need for us to squeeze in our professional review sessions and our expertise picks all into one hour. And I'm thankful for that because, guys, we have a lot to unfold from this past Match Week, don't we? Oh, yeah. I think, as Liverpool fans, we can all say that Santa came a little early for us this year. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it last week, but the joy is back in the game for me. The fans are back in the stadiums, and I'm right back into being locked in with uh, the happenings of the league. I feel feel good about what I saw, and I'm, I'm enjoying things again. So, yep. Fun. Like, it's all good. Like, we, like, we've said countless times this season that we're looking forward to this Premier League season, especially because it seems it's going to be a really tight title race and a tight race for the top four and even for the regulation race at the bottom there. But it's just, like... It makes it a little bit better whenever Liverpool's in front with a little bit of a lead here. A little cushion. You got to feel for Tottenham. They go from top of the league one week to six points off the lead. Uh, what two matches later because they lose the Leicester and Liverpool back to back. So definitely a little drop there for them. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if I was a... expecting that. It was. Uh, I, I always thought that like that at least for a Jose team they'd be able to keep it tight at the back, be able to like keep things content and not drop points like week after week and let. Let uh, points compile up there, but I don't know. Maybe they just like don't have it all. Well, I'm I'm curious to see if they drop more points. What uh, excuses Jose pulls out of his bag? Yeah, I don't, yeah. Did the did the better team lose again? I don't know, but um, <laughs> uh, I, it, it, it's I think that game was more about the story of what we're seeing from Leicester. It's like the they'll pull these these wins out away, and then they, against teams that are you know stiff competition. And then they struggle with bad teams at home. It's like, I, Lester, you've seen everything from them this season. They can beat anybody or lose to anybody week in and week out. And I just, they, they played their game and they're, you know, what B Rod, how B Rod set them up, uh, worked against Spurs. But um, yeah, it, bummer for Spurs to fall. <laughs> we, we talked about this last week. The, the table's so cramped right now. It's still early, obviously, but um, the separation between, um, between 10th and 1st is. Uh, something you could cover in e- either direction in just a couple of match weeks. So, um, poor Spurs, but I think they're still very much in the uh, the top four conversations. Way you know, far too early to write them off after two two bad weeks against t- tough opponents. Yeah, that's what makes this whole schedule, especially like the thing that I think we brought up again also before that. Well, we I think we all hate is the stupid game in hand where everybody's not in the same playing field as far as like games played wise no one really knows like how many points they're going to have or where people stand in the table because I'm looking at it right now like Manchester United I don't know it was just a couple of match weeks so I was kind of writing them off in the league they went through a kind of a bad spell there where they're dropping points left right and center they got battered by Spurs if you guys remember 6-1 and everyone thought that they were a dead team they have a match in hand and if they win they're only two points behind Liverpool in their second place which is like makes no sense whatsoever. Like, yeah, they, I guess they've been on a great run of form. Uh, speaking of that, also Aston Villa—they're down in ninth place right now, but they have two games in hand. 
if they win both of those games, they also they have 28 points and they're sitting in second place as well. So it's just like all crazy right now. It's all super tight, which I love. But like I said earlier, it is always great when Liverpool have a little bit of cushion at the top. And, and even with the, speaking of games in hand, no one can catch the 31 points that Liverpool has at the top currently. And we just love to see that, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of Liverpool and things we like to see, well, let's we have a lot to unravel. So let's jump into the into the games from this past match week, starting with Liverpool from the early um, Saturday kickoff time, which le- like left me some ro- uh, room to be concerned because we've heard Klopp have like his distaste of the early kickoff time on Saturday. It's always for like it's for the Asian viewers who can catch the that's their night games, the early kickoff game for Saturday. That's their night game, and so they always like to put a big team in there for the for the early, I think it's noon kickoff time over there in England. But uh, Liverpool and Crystal Palace, Crystal Palace not always like the easiest opponent, but Liverpool just came in and just battered them in like the biggest uh, biggest uh, uh, win Liverpool's ever had in their history. Big, biggest uh, biggest away win, I believe is the, the, the stat. But yeah, biggest margin yeah. of victory in a away match. But um, yeah, I... I got full disclosure. Um, I don't always wake up for these 7:30 a.m. matches and uh, you know Eastern time. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 not every Saturday that I want to commit to getting up for those. Uh, it just depends on the 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 way I'm feeling and the opponent. But um, this week I uh, decided to get up and, uh, and and watch, and I was handsomely rewarded. Um, it kind of from the get go. There there were actually some some early chances in Crystal Palace's direction, but you know once it got it got out to three 0 pretty quickly, um, it it just kind of unraveled. And I think that that can happen when it, whenever you get down that big that early, you're, you're pressing to try to get something back, and they just um, weren't finishing the couple of chances that they did find, and every everything seemed to go in for Liverpool. They they hardly missed the chance. It was like in just one of those weeks that everything. Um, either bounced their way or you know the, the finishing was clinical. They just didn't really misplace a, a ball, and Salah wasn't hitting it with his purse again. <laughs> <laughs> truth, truth. I think like the one thing I took out most out of this game as a Liverpool fan was Minamino being in a side that performed really well, and him particularly looking really good, getting a r- really nice first goal where he had a few nice touches to the box and then a real clinical finish into the corner. Uh, I thought it was really important for him to kind of come in. Uh, score a goal, play an impact, and a big win for the team. I think it'll go a long way for his confidence. Yeah, one I totally agree. That was telling like, off of we were Tim. talking about that after the match. That definitely one of the um, more surprising takeaways because um, obviously he didn't have Salah start. Um, he came on later for. Did he come on whenever Mane went off? Was that the the swap that was made in the second half? Yeah. Um, so it's a brutal swap. A, a pretty brutal <laughs> swap, and obviously. Uh, <laughs> Nicking two goals and an assist in his what thir- 25, 30 minutes on the pitch, um, pretty pretty uh, typical. Uh, Salah just, I mean, honestly, just uh, a little cruel given the situation he came into. But um, I, I don't, I don't think we need to spend too much time on this. It's, it's a seven-zero result, obviously a good one. But um, I don't know that I, I certainly come out of it feeling a little bit better about um, Liverpool's chances of. You know, maintaining their their form through through the the fixture packed uh, December, but um, I don't think it changes too much the picture of what we um, what we expected, how we expected this month to play out. So a nice result, but 
I want to hear what your favorite goals were. That's my that's my question. <laughs> well, I've, I I heard this take earlier where it's Liverpool. Whenever Bobby Firmino is playing well, Liverpool always play well. There's never like a game where it's like you know what, like we just like didn't perform well, but you know Bobby played well today. But it just always goes hand in hand. And I think my favorite goal is that you mentioned that has to be Bobby's first one. I think whenever we kind of hit them on the break there, and Robertson's he played and Bobby plays him down the wing to Robertson. He drives up a little bit. Bobby tails up through the middle, and he picks him out. And there's always, like a great still image of like Bob, like that Robertson picks Bobby out of this from this image, and it's kind of a wild because you don't see where the pass is until obviously Robertson plays it, and somehow I don't know what the Brazilians are born with, but they're just born <laughs> with a better touch than everybody else, and he's able to like touch it dead and just poke it home, kind of in a in a cheeky fashion, and. I think that, I mean, they're all great goals. Like, you can obviously say Salah's top corner one was great. But, uh, yeah, I think that one was particularly one of my favorites. Particularly because I do like seeing Bobby score so well, so much. You took the words out of my mouth. I, I think if you didn't catch the match, just go watch uh, go watch that highlight. Because uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't see a better goal all weekend. I mean, the touch was just sublime and nothing like nothing like the way that Bobby scores goals it, it doesn't feel like it, it's often that he actually puts a foot through it every goal he scores he's he's either chipping the keeper he's just passing it into the net he's not looking at the ball while he hits it he, <laughs> he can only he can only score in in just magnificent and, and cheeky fashion it's just his way so I, I loved it yeah Bobby takes his inspiration from uh, Kyle on the paddle court not looking at the ball when he scores <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's one for a there's a niche preference for some listeners there. <laughs> Very few listeners who were who were there to bear my uh, bear my wrath on the Shannon Paddle Court, <laughs> uh, but it was good. I mean, no really complaints from it anyway, and only room to really grow. But I, it, uh, my really one big takeaway, and because I, I was also rewarded by waking up early to watch this match, was just like you always have those games where. Like you would say, like whenever your team's flying, especially offensively, but they just can't finish, and you're just like, I wonder, like how many goals we could have had if we just like put away our chances. Like it could have been like five, six, or seven. And usually you're talking about that when it's like a, a two or three nil draw. Like oh yeah, it was three nothing, but it could have been seven. And this was just one of those games where every single time we went down to have an offensive attack, more times than not, we were putting it into the back of the net. And I think that really like resonated with me when Hendo even put his in. Like, we just, like, went down, pass, pass, Hendo, first-time shot back to the net from outside the box. I was just like, this game is getting ugly fast. Yeah, yeah. And it's always the, uh, Salah, why do you have, they have, a, they have a family, Salah, as he slots in number seven in the top corner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have a family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, who was it, Roy Hodgson, Hodgson can only, uh, can only just laugh when that one went into the top corner. Yeah, his, his team was getting his face a, is an American football score hung on them. <laughs> he looked so just, <laughs> he looked like an old confused man on the pitch when they were just kept scoring and scoring. He did that nothing. He just yeah. blindly, oh, it was crazy. The, yeah, the, the look is, the look in his face is like, well, what the hell did I do to these guys? He's like, why, <laughs> yeah. why, why is he doing that? Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, let's move on from that game from to a one that didn't have as many goals, and of course, that's well, we're always talking about a team that's not scoring all too much and who can't find the back of the net. We're talking about Manchester City again. Like, even though they did pick up the three points from the weekend, uh, beating Southampton one nothing, 
just another game where they're having a decent amount of shots, having a decent amount of percentage. Granted, this one was a little bit more 50-50, but they just can't find the back of the net all too often. But the one no was enough for them to, to pick up the W, thanks to Raheem Sterling's early goal. Yeah, no, we've been talking, yeah. we've been talking a lot about him not scoring in the clutch moments, but you know he pulls through here. They score. They had a really nice, really nice movement to get him open, and he slotted home one that he probably should score. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, I thought Southampton actually played really well. They're really showing that they can go after top teams a little bit, and if you can go after Man City, mm-hmm. have a lot of the ball. I mean, they had forty-eight percent possession. That's a that is a ton for a team against Man City. That's a ton for any team, particularly a team like Southampton who maybe doesn't have the that uh, has many skilled players as City does. So I think they're really showing that they can actually play with some of these big teams this season. Um, it's kind of cool to see. Yeah, that's a higher possession number than I'm, I'd even expect from Liverpool playing City. It's just they it, they possess the ball. That's what how they want to play. It's how Pep sets them up. And I, I it was impressive to see them have so much of the ball. I mean, City definitely had the the better of the chances. They they, they had plenty. They uh, um, you know had a few that just missed and. A few that were saved. Um, honestly, uh, McCarthy has been playing very well in goal for, for Southampton. But yeah, I, I, Ster- I mean, the, the move that Sterling scored on, it just looked so easy. It looked it looked like the, the city of old, the city that we we expect to score three, four goals every match. It looked like nothing had um, nothing had ever changed. But um, just uh, yeah, it, it was a it was a gimme for for Sterling by the time it found him in the box. But um, We'll see if they can keep that up, but yeah, Im- impressive performance for Southampton in general. I think they they showed why they um, are making a real case to to get a European spot this season. Yeah, it was I saw um, a tweet from, during this game was like, when did Southampton turn into prime Barcelona? Because they just like the way they work the ball and control the ball and pass it around is really really impressive and something that you just don't expect at all from a team like Southampton. But um, yeah, just. I mean, City did have more chances. I think they deserve the three points from this game, despite of the valiant effort from um, from Southampton. But a player that I wanted to talk about a little bit and kind of bring to the table for how bad of a season I think that they've been having is Bernardo Silva. He had a couple of chances that this past game that like stick out to me in my head of just like he was right in front of goal. He tries to do too much of it. I don't know what's going on with him, but he's just. I just remember, like, he was, like, one of my more favorite players from the Manchester City team. Obviously, Kevin DeBrone and Aguero are, like, the easy ones, but I've always thought that he was, like, so silky. He always had a great touch and was able to put the ball in the back of the net, and he's just not able to do anything of like that this season. So I'm not sure what it is, but he's just having a bad season in my eyes. Yeah, he definitely feels like a player, almost like a Bobby Firmino, where when the team is – when the team's playing really well and it's playing really fluid, he's going to play really well, but maybe when they're struggling like this a little bit and you know their pl- possession isn't quite as fluid as it has been in the past, maybe he does struggle a little bit in a, in a situation like that. But I agree. I don't think he's looked as good mm-hmm. as he has definitely in the past. Um, and I even think a little bit it's the same as Kevin De Bruyne too. I know we've talked a lot about him, but he even looks a little touch off. He had a chance probably 60 minutes into this game where – a ball rolls to him at the top of the box. He's basically one-on-one with the keeper and he rolls it at the keeper, um, which is just shocking. Yeah. He's just like, he's such a just fundamentally solid player that you don't expect things like that. So something's just a little off with the city team. Um, all year it's been that way. Again, we talk about how they can't score, but even their movement doesn't look as, as good as it has in the past. I have no clue what it is. Like I, 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 I try to look at it for it when I'm, I can't help but think that they're lose. They lost a lot of their, 
like key figures in the locker room or something, and they just like whenever things are going rough or they're hitting a rough patch in the game, they don't have anybody to pick it, the game up by the the classic saying of picking the game up by the scruff of the neck and and pulling them through a win or pulling them through a goal or something like that. But I just I can't put my finger on it with this city team. Like I I I know the whole stigma in their head is just to think like oh this is a great city team. Pep Guardiola is the coach. Like they're going to do great. They're going to score goals. They're going to look they're going to look silky. But there's just something with this team where they're just it's it's just not there whatsoever. Even just looking at that lineup that we have on our on the screen there of their starting lineup, it's like there's a lot of names there. But I mean, that, the attacking four of like Raheem Sterling, like yeah, he picked up his goal, but on his day, like he is so inconsistent. Really, haven't there was a lot of hype for Fernand Torres coming into the season, and like I know he had that one um, hat trick for Spain, but he hasn't really pulled out too many performances for. Uh, for City this season, and Bernardo Silva also there on the right wing, who has zero goals this season. Uh, looking at Fernand Torres, he has he has six goals in all competitions this season. He has one in the Premier League, so it's just not a goal, a lot of goals there in that lineup. So yeah, just really confusing and hard to really put your finger on what really is going on with this City team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, back to back to Bernardo, and I think some of the story for the the whole team is that. He hasn't really consistently been fit, and I feel like they typically would the Pep, Pep will rotate through guys in a way where it feels like they're all available to him, and he just he has the magic touch of which ones he needs to play on that day. It seems like they've had enough injuries this season that he's really been forced into playing certain lineups, and at times they've really not been the lineups that anybody thought were um, the right ones or the best ones they um, they would like to roll out. So I mean, Bernardo, I. I'm sure that he, like like a few of the other guys, that um, you haven't been consistently getting playing time, or just there's they're still find they're trying to find the right chemistry. And I, like we've said all season, they don't have um, they don't have that one clinical finisher that they can rely on every week, or even two of them, where you know if one's not there, the other one is. That um, it just doesn't. It's not always clear where the goals are going to come from. But I don't want to knock City too much for winning a match against the team that we also have propped up as. Um, being impressive. I mean, they still came away with the win. They still probably had the better of the chances in the match. And I think they're definitely looking um, like they may be getting on track and um, you know, deserving of the uh, expectation that they're going to you know, challenge Liverpool or, or, you know, or may still be the favorite. And I think they, they are, depending on where you find your betting odds. It's, it's certainly them and Liverpool are the two favorites uh, far away from the rest of the pack right now. But um, despite being eighth in the table, I think um, it, there's still reason to believe that um, that they belong. Um, they belong as that favorite based on this performance to me. So I just wanted to give them a little bit of props after, you know, clear, I, I think we've spent a lot of time talking about their struggles recently and can't, can off of a win. I just want to make sure that they get the recognition they deserve for beating a, a fine Southampton team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the the classic things. All right, say one one thing nice about Manchester <laughs> City, and I, I and I guess, <laughs> yeah, uh, and I guess it is that they they figured out their defense. Their back line looks really solid. Yeah. I, I've I've always been confused to why they don't play Jao Cancelo more often, and he seems like he's held down this role as their starting left back, which I really like. Kyle Walker also a great player in the right back position. This Ruben Diaz, it seemed like they finally found their center back who's going to be at their consistent week in and week out guy who's not going to pick up injuries every every other week um but and then also they can just slot anybody in next to him either it's 
uh, John Stones, like we've been seeing more recently, or Iron Mike Laporte, who's also pretty good. Uh, and they've also they've conceded the the fewest amount of goals throughout this uh, the start of this Premier League season, and only twelve in thirteen matches, which is um, not un- which is not usually what you're expecting from a from a Pep Guardiola Manchester City how, team. With how their, shocking! Their shabby defense. How shocking is it to see them only having scored nineteen goals through thirteen matches? Though that's I I mean both Crazy. both of those numbers are um, worth talking about because we did um, we did peg them early on in the season as having defensive problems. And I don't think you can say that based on the number of goals they've let in. It's, it's the goals for that's uncity like um, scoring. They've scored 17 less than Liverpool and um, a good 10 less than the other top competitors for the most part. Um, it's going to be, it, I, I think it's going to be tough for that. I mean, you know, maybe they are able with the amount of possession they get to maintain that defensive record, but um, it's going to be tough for them to catch um, the other t- teams ahead of them in the table without um, finding a few more goals. But I mean, I, I, I know we want to, we were talking, we spent a lot of time talking about Manchester City and Southampton, but I'm really anxious and curious to get into our next segment, which is our weekly segment that we now have on the show. And it's everybody's favorite, which is let's shit on Arsenal <laughs> because we have another game where they drop all three points to Everton, of course, this match week, which is Everton 2, Arsenal 1. And that scoreline doesn't even really do it justice. Everton completely dominated this game. Arsenal, in my opinion, were just a dead dog in this matchup between the two teams at the Merseyside. And I don't, I don't even know where to begin. I'll let you guys take this one away. I think it is so unfortunate that Aubameyang finally scores a goal and then he picks up an injury and he can't play the next game. I was like, okay, he's out of his goal-scoring drought. He can carry this team. He can score, score a goal or two every game try to get them back in the hunt here and out of the relegation battle. And then he gets an injury. And yeah, you're totally right. It almost felt like Everton was going to go ahead and do what Tottenham did a few weeks ago, where they just let Arsenal have the ball because they know they aren't actually good enough to create a lot of chances going forward. And then hit him on the counterattack. And I feel like that's definitely what happened in this Everton game. And Everton are a really solid team. You can't just, you, you can't count them out of any game, but against this Arsenal team, I mean, they just looked, they looked so much better. It was ridiculous. Yeah, um, and the the pe- have to shout the penalty. Um, just a a clear foul and kind of a funny one from Ben Davis. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I got to call it. But I mean, if that that's the one goal they were able to to claw out of that match. I mean, it, he wasn't even necessarily a, in a he wasn't in a scoring threat position. It's just a, a challenge you can't make trying to to boot that ball. But um, it, yeah, I don't. I don't I don't know where Arsenal goes because I, I I've been reading some some stuff on Twitter from Arsenal fan fan pages and it, it seems like their the opinions within the fan base are it range everywhere from we can't find anybody better than Mikel Arteta we need to give him time and support to this is as bad as I've seen things he needs to be out tomorrow I, I don't think there's a, a real <laughs> consensus and I I tend to be more on the side of um, of wanting to give him time because it. And maybe this it's I'm a little biased because I prefer him and uh, Arsenal as a as a club uh, maybe more than I uh, than I like uh, Ole Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and and what Man United is doing. But it it, it feels a bit the same where he 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 strung he strung some good matches together in the summer and then it's just been an absolutely dire period, which you've seen from Solskjaer too, where they've had really just high flying attacking. Um, scoring all the goals, winning all the matches, uh, periods, and then just awful droughts. But 
I mean, this this attacking drop for Arsenal, I, at least they got a, a goal out of the match. But again, it's it's on a penalty when they weren't really, you know, creating any real threat uh, for the rest of the match. So I I don't know where they go from here. But um, it, 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 Everton Everton was favored for a reason. We talked about that coming into this match. It, they their their performances all season um, warranted them being favored, and they performed as we expected. At this point, Arsenal just isn't performing like a top 10 team and they're uh, I can't I don't see any reason to expect them to to improve until they show they can they can do it for even one week yeah let's to bring it back to the, the one of the earlier things you said there was what the, what do you do with like the with the Arsenal fan base and what they're doing with our manager because the, that is the big discussion like what do you do with Mikel Arteta right now do you keep him do you let him go through this project or do you sack him and try to like save the club and and risk like and going into more turmoil or to hopefully turn it around so you can pick up more and more points. I, I'm glad I'm not the person who's making that decision because I truly don't know what you would do there because I, like I, like I said it in an earlier episode where I was like the one team that I didn't want to play, especially during the summertime and going into the beginning of the season was Arsenal. Like they picked up, they killed us in project restart. They battered us. And then they, deservedly I don't like if I remember it correctly like they deservedly beat us in the community shield as well like there was I know it was a PK shootout but it was like those were two tough games and you see Arsenal now sitting in 15th and Burnley have a game in hand and if they win that they they go above Arsenal to push them down to 16th and it's just like what is going on with Arsenal right now they I I just think that they I I would really want and I think what the the th- more thing I'm leaning towards is giving Mikel Arteta more time because I think they just don't have the right personnel in there. Like they're still playing David Luiz and at center back they have guys in there like William. Like, and that was William's whole shtick at, at Chelsea was people hated how inconsistent he was. Like if there things were going poorly, William was like just kind of the guy who was just out there running the like running the laps and not doing anything. He was just kind of going through the motions. Did you guys see the stat about William from this past game in, against Everton? He didn't go in either box. <laughs> if you look wow. at the heat map from William, he didn't go in either box. And he hasn't had a shot on goal his whole uh, this whole Premier League season for, for Arsenal. So he's just one of those players that you think is good. Like he's had a couple of good games every now and again, but – He's just not a player that you don't that you need want on your team or on your side during they, times like this. And I think they just need the right personnel in there because they have hotheads like Jaka and David Louise and Hector Bellerin who hasn't been doing that well and and Willian and Lacazette who I'm not sold like just all these guys they just need to revamp that entire team. And I think Mikel Arteta is the guy to do that. But I don't know. Um, did you did you I, either of you see Willian's comments on? Uh, what Arteta said to him before he was uh, before he signed his contract with Arsenal um, back in the summer. I, I guess uh, Arteta said we we need you to to um, help us qualify for the Champions League this year so that we can win it within the next three years. And I <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that um, not entering either box is really uh, the way that William is going to contribute to to that whole plan. But. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, and then I, another great quote that I saw this morning. I shared this with you guys. I don't know if either of you guys caught it on Twitter, but um, 
is a Mikel Arteta quote, and I'm going to read this word for word and allow you guys to interpret. Um, I, I don't know if this was just lost in translation or, or what exactly Arteta meant, but I think it, it kind of reads in the same, with the same energy that uh, Jose Mourinho's uh, uh, the better team lost um, kind of uh, theme. So here we go. Last year, we won against Everton with a 25% chance of winning. You win 3-2. Last weekend, it was a 67% chance of winning. 67% chance of winning. Any Premier League game in history, and a 9% chance of losing, and you lose. 3% against Burnley, and you lose. 7% against Spurs, and you lose. <laughs> I, was, were, I, I don't know. Maybe I can't read, but those were, those were the exact words that were written there. So I, I think he's missing some verbs and some, um, some grammar, but I think his point is that that he thinks they're they're getting unlucky, but I don't think what I'm watching looks like unlucky. So I think that's I think there's a disconnect between um, how he feels about the the results and what's actually happening happening. But um, I I hope I hope for the fan base they saw. I mean they're shit out of luck. They can't ha- hire Big Sam to keep him from getting relegated. <laughs> if it gets much worse. So he's already at West Brom. So um, they missed their chance. I don't I don't, I don't know what what will happen. I hope it gets better for them now. Didn't go so good for Big Sam in his first week back though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we what were we talking about the you know the reinvigoration of a team with a new manager. And we didn't quite get that. The new manager bounced. Yeah. Nope. Didn't didn't pan out. Um, coming coming <laughs> yeah. in next week. Max what's it take on oh, this Oh, they they truly are a mess. I've you know, I was I was in the boat of let's not panic. It's early in the season. But they are not looking any better as the season goes on. You think the team would grow a little bit and come together under Arteta and his plan would start to show itself a little bit. But you watch these Arsenal teams and they truly do just look lost. They, they don't look like they have a lot of strong tactics and they just are waiting for one or two players to make a really individual play to create chances. And it's just not happening that much because, frankly, a lot of their players don't have that individual skill that the, you need to have in the Premier League to create a, your own goal-starring chance. Um, and not having a go-to goal scorer in Aubameyang definitely is hurting them. Yeah, I think this is these are things where having a manager in his first managerial position really shows, and it really sucks for Mikel because, like you know, you know, like any other manager, like someone who's been coaching and managing for you know fifteen, twenty years or something like that, like they're gonna have their up and downs. They know that what they can do. They they know that they can think can go to this. Like oh shit, like I. I remember last time whenever I was in a bad position, like our team was in a rut and and, a, and morale was down, I resorted to this and it really worked. Mikel can't really do that because his only coaching experience is when he was an assistant coach for Pep Guardiola and most things were pretty gravy over there. So there wasn't a lot of bad times where Mikel was in 15th place and, and looming of the relegation zone. Uh, but... So I think that's really unfortunate for him and unfortunate for Arsenal as well. So hopefully he can use his experience to find a way to pull out of it. But I have to admit, it's pretty, it's pretty amusing watching a team like Arsenal go down. And it's always like, do you guys actually think there's a chance of Arsenal getting relegated? No, like, is, no. is there any chance? No, no chance? You're saying no chance? No chance. I thought the same no thing two weeks ago, but I don't know, man. No, they look no totally chance. lost. The other teams down there, okay. Answer me this, and this will be a nice little transition to the next game. Watch me here. If Arsenal go down early and they get a red card, like Sheffield did in the 30th minute, 
Do they have any chance against any team in the Premier League to come back and get a point? I'm going to say no. But a team at the bottom of the table like Sheffield did it in a game, in a relegation battle game. I don't know. I just, Arsenal does it, is not going to grind out those victories. And it, it might come down to the wire. I'm not going to say they're going to get relegated, but it could come down to the wire for them. Yeah, I, I heard someone bring up the point where they, and it was like a longtime Premier League um, guy, and he was saying that he didn't think Leeds would get relegated. Leeds were a Champions League side for many, many years. Like they had people like Rio Ferdinand on their team and stuff, and they got relegated back in the in the mid two thousands. And they've been they were down for what was it sixteen years? And I mean, I know Arsenal's never been relegated before, which is kind of one of those crazy stats that they kind of hoist around, but. Wouldn't it be wild if they did go down like Arsenal in the championship? And I kind of jokingly responded to Tim whenever he he sent over that quote about Mick Oteta bringing in Willian to bring them up to the Champions League and then win the Champions League within three years. And I was like, are you sure he didn't mispronounce Champions League for the Championship (laughs) League or something like that? Because if they're going down, like, yeah, they could win it next year. Yeah, sure. It would be absolutely brutal. I I just... I don't. I just don't believe it's possible. The amount of money they're able to spend, I just feel like their their squad is still just so much deeper with talent than your your Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield, Brighton's, maybe Burnley that they're going to compete with for that relegation. There's just, I, I think, in a month's time, we're going to look back at this and say, okay, they're fine. They're not going to get relegated. But I do think they may struggle to find the top ten this season. But I mean. Keep in mind, they're only they're, they've, they're at 14 points right now. That's seven points back of 10th place. They, they can make that up in, in, in three or four match weeks with just rattling off a couple of wins if they could catch a couple of, uh, catch a couple of easy matches. And I just don't think, I don't think that's beyond them. Obviously, we haven't seen that in their recent form. I, just, I think Mikel Arteta is too talented. He has great experience um, you know, being a part of City and Pep's management team there. And, and the amount of money that's the, the investment in the, in the squad that, that Arsenal's had over the, the past. I mean, it's just a different level than the spending that, that Leeds was able to make. And I mean, Leeds might've been one of the seven or eight biggest clubs in terms of spending back in the two thousands, but the magnitude of spending is just so different. And the gap between the big clubs and the small ones is so much larger now than it was then. So uh, I think um, I, I just, I will be stunned. I, I think that would be, more shocking to me than less winning the league. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Tim, but I'm with you that, yeah, they're only seven points off from 10th place and they can easily make that up. But do you know, uh, like, take a guess of when their last Premier League win was? When was the last October time they picked 4th. up three points? You can't outstats the stats of the closet. Uh, to uh, Sheffield, you can't outstats that, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they lost they lost two one or they the last time they won was October fourth to Sheffield United. They they beat them two one. The relegation So strap. and then the last time they beat Those they, are, yeah, relegation they, strap. The yeah, last time they taking they the points beat, away from the-, <laughs> the last time they beat a team that wasn't the possibly the worst team in the Premier League history was September nineteenth, when they beat well, West Ham two one. They're, so making, like, I'm with you, they're like, making their yeah, case I for don't. not being the worst team in Premier League history after this weekend. So we'll, they doubled we'll get their there. points. So let's get to them. Let's go to Sheffield. <laughs> yeah, we can. 
we can stop yeah, meeting up. Them, but I want to go round table. Uh, give us a percentage of, give us a percentage of, <laughs> of likelihood of of um, Arsenal going down. Is it greater than? Is it greater than fifteen percent? No. It's like five percent. Five percent is where greater I'm than ten percent. I mean, I 5%. said zero, and I'm sticking with zero. <laughs> yeah, I, I would go. I would go ten percent. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. So but whatever. Yeah, I love so it. Kyle, but, yeah, we really them up. Well, yeah, can we put? Can we put some betting on? Like, can we bet? Like, how do we? How do we? We have too many bets going. We can't do a new bet every episode. <laughs> <laughs> or can we? <laughs> but yeah, somebody I mean, has those odds. But yeah, but we can. Relegation. But one of our bets that we do need to, one of our bets that we do need to talk about, of course, is the Sheffield United oh. over under ten points. And I, uh, Tim, are you with me on the on the? I'm on the over. over what 10 a points huge club? result for the over this weekend! I I celebrated that harder than Liverpool's seven 0 win. <laughs> yeah, so Sheffield United double their points tally for the Premier League on uh, this past match week, tying Brighton. Like Max mentioned earlier, um, they went down to ten men early in the game, but yeah, it scraped out a scraped out a one one draw there to pick up another point and. Now they're on two points for the uh, for the season. I don't. It's it, the ten points is looking gloomier and gloomier. All they have to do is win one game, and then they're like in great position <laughs> to get over ten points. But they are just a tragic. Team. What a conversation <laughs> this is! Just thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, to do it. They're well on their way. Um, I, um, I don't know. I I still just I I don't watch them and feel like it's him. It's him impossible for them to to win a, ma- a match week in and week out it just doesn't feel like they're like it, it feels like they've i mean they've struggled to score goals but it doesn't feel that different than arsenal <laughs> it's obviously the quality of the team <laughs> is different but but um it just, I, I don't know they just don't it, it doesn't feel like whenever i'm watching uh wow i wanted to use the jets as an example in the nfl but they just beat the rams which makes absolutely no sense they're just so they're so bad they can't even tank properly but um, I, I don't know. I just – I don't get the, the feeling from them that they're totally incapable or they've totally given up yet. Yeah, I don't know. They were actually pretty unlucky in this game not to get three po- – oh, actually, sorry. Brighton was unlucky not to get three points in this game because they hit the post, I think, in the 93rd minute. Danny Welbeck. I love Danny Welbeck. He scores their goal in the 87th <laughs> minute. So they almost, Sheffield almost got a win here down a van, which is actually insane, getting a red card yep. in the first half and then – Somehow scoring and then right. almost holding on to a league lead, but then Brighton probably should have won at the end. I mean, they hit the post in the last second. They could have won two yeah. one, and it would have been classic Sheffield this year. Uh, that's but I'm some, cheering for that's them. Some... Yeah, looking at the stats, Brighton with 21 shots, only five on target. It seems like it was just one of those classic games that they just like couldn't find the back of the net. They just were ripping them, but the, not all of them were going wide or getting deflected. And 74 percent percent possession, just this like. Doesn't seem like a matchup between uh, like a fifth, like what is Brighton? They're like 16th, and obviously Sheffield's 20th. It shouldn't be that lopsided, but unlucky for Sheffield to not pick up the three points. Yeah, Adam Lallana actually goal. created a lot of good chances in this game, which I like to see. He was he was really playing playing the yeah. playmaker there in the midfield. I uh, I think Sheffield showed some fight, and I think they're going to fight their way to about 13 points this season. <laughs> <laughs> and get relegated. Thirteen. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's enough don't, to not be worry. the worst I'm, I'm team in Premier League history. The re- the the record's eleven right now for for uh, least amount of points in a Premier League campaign. 
I'm not making the case for them avoiding relegation. Don't get me wrong, but I am making the case for them potentially avoiding having the lowest points total in Premier League history. Okay, let's move on to a game we actually should talk about, not the uh, relegation scrap. Oh, guys, <laughs> yeah. guys, we got a little breaking uh, breaking news. I, not to borrow there. from another podcast who shall not be named, but. Um, we got a little breaking news. I don't know if you saw the message that I just pulled up in our group chat, but it appears that Liverpool have reached an agreement with the with the young Lille and former Bundesliga and Premier League midfielder Renato Sanchez. Yes, eighteen million pounds. Eighteen million pounds. It apparently is. Um, a done deal, according to Anfield Edition on Twitter. So like, that might be tier two, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I have heard rumors over the, of this over the past couple of days. He's just 23 years old, so there is still hope for Renato Sanchez. And from what I've heard lately, he's actually having a great season for Lille. So I can't tell yeah. you much more than that. I just wanted to drop that in since we're getting that live. Yeah, I mean, I've heard – like, I want to talk about this for a little bit before we jump into Leicester Tottenham. It's it's a oh, – it does seem like one of those things that it's, it seems like it could be a great buy. It is a little bit concerning how much he's bounced around in his young career. It was a little bit surprising to hear that he's only 23 years old. Like he, he's been in the Premier League. He was for Bayern. He was played on Bayern Munich. Now he's in the French League. Obviously, he started in the Portuguese League. He's been all over. Well, he was 23. He was starting for Benfica at probably 17 years old, maybe 17, yeah. 18, and getting starts for Bayern the, the next season at 18 or 19. So I. Obviously, the hopes were incredibly high for him whenever he um, was loaned to Swansea, and he just—it just never happened for him in the Premier League. He went back to Bayern and um, and then moved on quickly. So I, I, I haven't watched him since he moved on to the French league. I admittedly just don't watch uh, French league soccer, but um, I, it sounds like yeah, I think he's... You're, you're not alone when you don't watch the croissants. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, with all good news, <laughs> with all good news, there's obviously the bad news because, like, you know, Fran- there's been the, rumors the, the, going around I don't know that we were going to give up a midfielder and and we're going to lose Genie Wijnaldum probably to Inter Milan, right? We can't. That'd be terrible. It, I, but there's just no sounds, reason for us it, to give him up. It sounds we like have the money. Just keep him. signs may be pointing to him leaving, but I... I don't want him to, and I don't really know uh, what the plan is. It seems like they've been very tight-lipped about it, but all it, the fact that he hasn't gotten a new contract done to this point is certainly pretty concerning. So, um, And if you bring in yeah, another midfielder to add to the mix. Um, Do you think it's literally just an age thing? It's like Genie's 30, and it's like a strictly – like a business and rebuild type thing because we have a lot of players who are in their upper 20s and early 30s and Jeannie and uh, Hendo are both in their 30s so it's maybe like okay let's if Jeannie wants to move on let's like let's bring in a young 23 year old rising prospect and and get rid of this 30 year old guy yeah I I mean mean, with mid I don't know you obviously brought in Tiago at age 29 so um, your midfield is a bit crowded with guys who um, are already, you know, have already reached their peak and maybe um, starting to decline over the next couple of years. I have to imagine it's both a matter of um, the length of deal he's looking for and the money he's looking for. I, I know that, you know, you can say that maybe money isn't a huge concern for Liverpool, but I've got to imagine they're still weighing that again. You know, if he wants, if he wants the money that, 
you know, that Mo and, and, and Mane are, are getting and, and they can, they can go get uh, another young player that's promising that they can groom. Well, you know, while there's still several other veterans in the squad and can pay considerably less, I, I can see why that decision makes sense for them. But um, Genie's put in some really great performances lately for Liverpool. So it would definitely be sad to see him go, but yeah, no doubt age plays in. Max, what's your take on this? I would give Jeannie Wijnaldum whatever money he wants for him to stay. <laughs> I just like, I don't, I think I would give up almost anyone else in our midfield besides Hendo before I'd give up Jeannie. I'd rather, I'd give up Thiago. Being, I mean, yeah, that's easy to say because we haven't really seen him play. It's, it, it, it is something that like, obviously I lean so much farther to the side of let's keep, let's keep Jeannie Wijnaldum on our team, but there is like a little bit, of you can see some of the thought process of you don't want to turn into a Barcelona team where you see that even last season they had almost their full starting 11 were over 30 years old because I think maybe people were just stuck to the to the allure of, oh, I love I love Busquets. Oh, I love this guy. Like, they're always so good. They're always so good for our team. Let's keep them along forever and ever and ever and give them whatever money they want to stay. So it does make, make a little bit of sense of, where like Genie wants some more money, he's on good terms with Liverpool. Let him go and make some more money from a different team, and we'll bring in some young, young talent to maybe refill and make sure Liverpool's on top of the table for, for more years to come. Uh, for me, I have trouble doubting Michael Edwards because I, certainly Liverpool has has reached a peak, um, in, in its performance over the past two seasons between a. Um, a, a Champions League win uh, and collecting, what was it, 97 points in the Premier League two years ago. Um, and then and still obviously not getting the winning the league, but then winning the league last year and dominant through March fashion. Um, and so now we're getting to the point where the players that have been a part of that um, may start to have to move on at some point. So maybe this is new. This is kind of uncharted territory, but Michael Edwards has never um, let a guy go that we we've missed and he he's very rarely missed on incoming si- signing so as a Liverpool fan I have immense um, trust in in his judgment and the the team's judgment and the um, the analytics that they follow to their decisions but um, I uh, it certainly it will hurt watching Genie leave. Um, it, you know, we, we sold Coutinho at a, at a point where Liverpool was not at this peak. Um, and it, 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 uh, you understood why he might want to move to a big, uh, at, at the time what felt like a bigger club. At this point, is, is there a, a bigger club than Liverpool? There's only a few in the, the conversation, but um, I don't think it's a matter of that anymore. I think it, I, I, I have to imagine Michael Edwards knows that and he is he and Klopp are willing to let a player move on and they genuinely feel like they have other pieces that can fill that role or would they prefer to fill that role with I, to Max's point I, I hope it's not about money so but I don't agree and but it, it, it <laughs> luckily we are a team in a situation where we don't like you you think of teams like Arsenal and Manchester United where you like even fans are 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 unsure whether the people who are in like the management portions of their club, like the people, like the directors of football for their teams, like they don't know if they're the right people for the job. Like they don't know if they trust their, like um, what's his name? Um, 
it's not uh, Mike um, Ed Woodward for Manchester United. Lots of Manchester United fans have, for years have vocalized their disdain for him and not sure if he's, and they know that he's not the right man for the job. So they're always so worried going to transfer windows if he's going to make the right decisions or they're always so skeptical on every single decision he makes because they don't, they know he has a history of making wrong decision after wrong decision. Luckily, we're in the position where we have Michael Edwards, we have Jurgen Klopp as manager, we have a lot of smart people who know what they're doing. And I mean, these conversations are probably going on with Jeannie almost every single week and almost every more days than not about what his future looks like, what he wants to do with Liverpool, what his contract, his situation is with Liverpool, what he wants to do, does he want to move on or not? And whatever happens in January, happens in January. If we swap Renato for Genie, it will be sad to see him leave, but hopefully they know that we're bringing in a great talent in Renato. So um, it, we, I think we are lucky to say that we're in a situation where we can trust our board. Yeah, I, I also think that the, the media likes to um, spin spin things in convenient ways for for headlines and stories. I certainly don't view as bringing Renato Sanchez in as a, as a direct swap for Genie Wijnaldum, and I don't think that Klopp would either. And I and I don't think that I, I don't I don't think that their decision on Wijnaldum necessarily informed the decision on Renato Sanchez or vice versa. I, I think they, they, they certainly you can't view either one in a vacuum. But I'd like to think that. They're trying to find the the best value um, at every position at all times, and if they think they they got one in, in Renata, they're going to hopefully bring him in, um, whether or not they they feel they are able to keep Genie one out of So see how it plays out. It'll be truly sad to see Genie goes go if he does. God, I, I I enjoyed this conversation about Liverpool in the middle of our podcast. Once we already got beyond them, I think we. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, yeah. I, hope our, I hope our listeners really did too. I'm sure the city boys did. You can cut all this out if you want, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's staying in. Screw them. It's staying in. But we should move on though because we did have a, a great matchup from this past match week of what was. I think they were both their second and third or second and fourth in the in the league table going into this past match week. And it goes to show looking at the table now about how close it is because after Tottenham dropping three points, losing to Leicester two nothing on the weekend, Tottenham have dropped to six and Leicester move up to second in the in the table. Uh but we were speaking right earlier before we jumped into all the games, it could have been a game where this could have been a larger scoreline and Tottenham looked a little bit disorganized in the back and we're kind of confused of that. Now all of a sudden they're dropping points left, right and center to us in Leicester in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. I feel like uh, this is a classic two teams that uh, don't want the ball and it was going to be interesting to see what happened in it. Uh, but Leicester really played yeah. a lot better and were much more organized than Tottenham. I thought Tottenham looked a little almost like, lost after the after the loss to Liverpool, particularly Aurier. He looked he was really, really good for most of the game against uh Liverpool. And then he kinda he got beat kinda late on a few times by Mane. And in this game he just gives up a just horrendous penalty. I mean it was totally needless to just push the guy in the back and it was a clear penalty. Like couldn't even argue yeah. with it when they showed it showed the replay. It was just terrible. It was just a terrible decision making by him. And I think it's the biggest complaint they mm-hmm. had a lot of Spurs fans have about him is his inconsistency. And then he just goes and makes really terrible decisions just like this. Um, and they just kind of hand they hand Vardy a penalty. Vardy is not going to miss that penalty in a big game. He just isn't. He's going to have his red bull in his hand. No. And he's going he's gonna to score that every <laughs> single time. And then he goes on he goes on to uh, score later in the game too, correct? He had two goals. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just like 
I really feel like Brendan Rodgers just he I think he outclassed Jose Mourinho a little bit, which I like to see because I like Brendan Rodgers. And I love to see <laughs> Jose Mourinho lose, as I've said many times in the pod. Yeah, uh, it was actually a uh, Toby Alderwild own goal that was the second one for for Leicester, yeah. but I think it was Vardy that he was, was right there, there and kind of forced the forced the mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what the main thing was, was here is that I don't, I, it just like they they seem like they're so heavily lenient on Harry Kane and Hyungman Son. If they're just not on top of their game and they're not picking up goals, like we saw a lot of Gareth Bale in this game, and he looked like totally lost in this Premier League game. I don't. I hope that's not what it is for for his second uh, second stint here at Tottenham because I I do like Gareth Bale and I was waiting and waiting and waiting for him to get out of Real Madrid. So I wanted to see him shine a little bit more for Tottenham, but I think that they just they just they just Harry Kane and Son were just not on the top of their game for this for this matchup and they, and it just showed that it's like if they're not on top of their game they're just not going to score goals and unfortunately that's what happened in this game for them and I don't know it, it's it, like Jamie Vardy said in his post match interview they had a they had a game plan going into this one they ex- executed it perfectly and it worked out well for them and they could have had a third and if we were playing by the Eredivisie rules. And the uh, which we like to call the Dutch rule is if it's ten inches the the lines that they bring out if they're within ten inches of each other just leave it to the ruling on the field and and James Madison like he said in his uh, in his uh, post after the game he was off by his uh, armpit hair and just to be clear he does not have ten inch armpit hair he has maybe <laughs> it's ten centimeters <laughs> not ten inches yeah. he, just, he does not have that long of armpit oh, yeah. hair he's not braided his armpit hair but yes yes we knew wow. he have you seen yeah. it? That could be that could be a real look, but um, yeah. Back to the the original. I think Max, you made the comment that they looked like a little bit lost after the Liverpool win. I think there is something to say for um, coming off an emotional loss like that, especially one where they felt like they you know they put a lot into it and may have come away feeling like they were the better team, whether or not they agree with their manager in the locker room. I don't know, but um, I. I, I think a letdown can definitely happen. I mean, they're playing a tough Leicester squad that has shown they can truly beat anybody this season and lose to anybody. So um, it's a weird Leicester team, but they find themselves in a nice place in the table. And uh, Kyle, to your point on, on Gareth Bale, I came in with super low expectations on what he was going to provide this season. And I think that the story so far has been, I think the first expectation of a lot of people is that he might struggle to, um, find fitness. I mean, obviously he came in with a known injury, but um, I think kind of as expected, it's taken him longer than maybe they had originally hoped to, to get fit. And like, it, I don't know if Gareth Bale at this stage of his career is ever going to be a player that his manager is comfortable starting the match because we just haven't seen him play 90 minutes and um, it, with any consistency in three, four seasons, it, even at, at reality, he was more often, um, coming on as a sub and he was appearing as a starter. So, I I mean, yes, if he can find 30 minutes of, of, of form for them and um, maybe he, he has the hope to be a good sub, but I, I'm not surprised that it, he's struggling. And, um, yeah, it just wasn't Spurs day. And, um, it, that, that REA challenge, though, was was pretty special. I was actually sitting watching um, – uh, watching highlights later on in the day. Um, I think at halftime at one of the matches, my dad walked – walked through the room. I'm home for the holidays. And um, 
he uh, he saw the Aria challenge. He's like, "You can't do that. That's a foul, right?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's it." That's a foul. <laughs> <laughs> it but yeah, you can, you can definitely not lower your shoulder into a player's back in the in the opposing team's box. It just it, it made made no sense. It did, like what was he trying to accomplish? I mean, there's no real goal scoring threat. He, it's right in the corner of the box. I, I yeah, I can understand why as a fan you'd be super frustrated. So um, yeah, I, I think both these teams are you know rightfully going to challenge for for top top four and, and champions league spots and uh, excited to see their, their next matchup. See if, if Mourinho adjusts. So I think we have to return to a past theme of the pod of the question is, is Jose Mourinho a family man? And I think this may, <laughs> this may just be proving that he is a family man because it's Christmas time. He's missing his family. All of a sudden, Brendan Rogers sets up the team well and outclasses him. I think maybe he is a family man. I think maybe we were on the wrong end of this way back in the day. <laughs> we had it wrong the whole time. I, I, I think I was always on Jose Mourinho as a family man, and I think they <laughs> had a bad performance right, right around the Thanksgiving window, if, uh, if I'm not mistaken, which I'm sure that um, he went out of his way to celebrate as a uh, Portuguese man coaching soccer in England. But um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I think he might be a family man. I think you're right. Family guy. Confirmed. I'm with you on that. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards more of the family man, but I think there is, if there is one manager in the Premier League that is bona fide, mark him down as a family man, besides Jurgen Klopp. We all love Jurgen Klopp. He's everyone's, he's everyone's dad, especially our, us three. But if there's one guy that's definitely a family man and a, and a cheerful guy, it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> he does look like, he seems like right? I would like to have, have is, a party at his family house. I'd, I'd really enjoy going. Me too. And I mean, they're definitely partying after this one. They beat Leeds a little bit of a robbery there. They beat Leeds 6-2. And I couldn't help but thinking, and of course, I'm not the only one who was talking about this, that if we remember way back then into that one of the early match weeks back when Virgil van Dijk was playing, everything was all joyful and glee for for Liverpool at the, in the Premier League. Well, we lost 7-2 to two to Aston Villa, and Manchester United lost 6-1 to Tottenham in the same match week. Well, fast forward to this past match week, we score 7 and Manchester United uh, score 6. So pretty uh, pretty crazy little mindfuck there, See, I guess you could I say. thought you were going to go all the way back to like four years ago when Jose Mourinho gave Scott McTominay the player of the year for United when he was coaching there. <laughs> I thought that's where you were good. Because he no. scores three goals in the first three minutes of the game. I mean, that was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Of all players to do it, him, it was just so surprising to me. I think he was the first player ever to score two goals in the first three minutes. In and they were, they were good goals. They looked like a player who's a forward who takes yeah, a really, really good, good touch and puts a clinical finish through. Absolutely unexpected, bro. Yeah. I, per, I perhaps, totally agree. Like, perhaps I, Jose just jumped the gun and he's he's player of the season 2020, 2021. It, <laughs> he, uh, yeah. I, nothing bad to say about United in this one, man. Looked they're, really good. Yeah. That being said, Leeds had a ton of chances. This could have been a 6-5 soccer game, which I would have loved to see. <laughs> it was just it absolutely it was an offensive fest in this game. I mean, 26 shots for Man United, 17 shots for Leeds. That's a lot that's a lot even if you're not hitting the ball at that. That's a lot of scoring opportunities that are just wasn't right by. Um 14 shots on target for Man United is pretty insane though. Yeah, Man United, like that being said, it could have been 6-5, it also could have been 10-5 <laughs> because 
I remember vividly Anthony Martial having two wide open chances sitting in the front of the net with um uh, with uh, nothing but the goalie to beat and and the, he hits the leg of the goalkeeper and it goes wide or something like that but it was like you said like whenever but it's i think this is always down to just like the way leads play like they just play such an open style of football and and i was just whenever we were talking about manchester city earlier about their goal differential and how they've given up the least amount of goals in the premier league so far this season no surprise here that Leeds uh, Leeds has given up the most amount of goals this season with 30. Yeah. But if you count with how many they've scored in 24, just a combined total of 54 goals in 14 matches is just an insane amount to think about. And uh, I don't know if you like if you love that or hate that if you're a Leeds United supporter, but uh, it's definitely always much watched TV. I think I think playing. as we all had a feeling it might be going into the season then and then almost knew after match week one when they lost 4-3 to Liverpool. Um, Leeds is a great team in the Premier League for the neutral fan. Um, they're, and they're a team that I very much hope doesn't threaten um, the relegation zone because I enjoyed watching Bielsa um, roll out seven man buns in the starting lineup and send them up the pitch to to do whatever they they please but um <laughs> yeah uh i really enjoy them and uh i hate that um man U has found their way back into um real top top four contention but it, it, they kind of snuck in there after um not doing not impressing anybody over, over the first couple months of the season their last four matches um four wins and a draw suddenly have found themselves back in third place yeah agreed there it's uh i i i really want them because i think about the beginning of the season they were always a team where it's like leads were favored by a half a goal got to take them on that like they were just a team that always looked like they were going to score goals and potentially win the game so uh, a little bit shaky seeing them in 14th place i hope they don't find themselves in a regulation Regu- battle or regu- like that where they're sergio where, reg- um, reg- they like <laughs> regulated regulated for our younger listeners um we are also not old enough to know what that song is but um <laughs> hey that was on our that was on our high school soccer <laughs> warm-up tape that someone made yeah. Yeah. cd that got put the cd player if that ages me ages us at all that's fair on your get psyched, like, get psyched things i didn't make it love to see it I mean, but uh, Manchester United, uh, were, do you think that going out of the, ch- uh, the Champions League benefit them? Like, are, do you see them as a real contender to, um, for someone who can challenge Liverpool for the title? I think, they, I think the only issue is they're going to have to – they're going to focus on the Europa League. They, they, need, they need some positivity in their life, and I think challenging for the title is good. But I think going far in the Europa League is, is going to be good for their fan base. It's going to be good for Ole. You know, I think they're really going to go for it. And – Honestly, you can pick a team like that to make it all the way and potentially win the Europa League and guarantee themselves a Champions League spot the next year. I think, why would you not do that? So I think it's hard for them just, just to focus on the Premier League right now. There's too much pressure for them to do well in multiple competitions. And we haven't gotten there, but I believe they're also still in the Carabao Cup, which um, we may or may not touch on <laughs> coming up this week. But um, yeah, they, they definitely do have a, a lot to, uh, to balance. Agreed. I, pers- I would 
if I were them, I mean, they're really if that after their game in hand, they're playing Burnley. You would so it, which you would think that they would win and pick up all three points, and which puts them only two points behind Liverpool. Would you consider prioritizing prioritizing the Premier League to Europa League, like getting out of Europa League at some point? getting rid of those Thursday games going into the weekend for the Premier League so you don't have to play Thursday, Saturday, or Thursday, Sunday, or something like that, and potentially prioritizing the Premier League and maybe going for a title chance or something like that in a year like this where you don't know what to expect or, I mean, and going at least for top four, which also guarantees you They, they have some time so. before they need to really make that decision because I don't think that they'll have any Europa League knockout matches until probably February maybe late January. I'm not sure if their schedule is exactly the same as the, um, as the champions league. I'm sure that I think they're offset by a week or two, but, um, so they have some time to see where they stand in the table after say 22, three matches. Um, and if they're, you know, if they're still in the, within a a few points at the top, I mean, there's no doubt if they're, if they're in the top four, they're going to make sure that they can play their best lineups, um, or, or something close to it in the premier league. But I think, you know, you've seen the same thing from Klopp. I mean, uh, granted, it has been the Champions League over the past couple of years, but I mean, he seems to set, he, he generally sets up to win every match once you get into the knockout stage of those competitions. I mean, when we have made it deeper into the, the domestic cups as well, he usually hasn't sacrificed those lineups. Um, it, it, in, you know, in the, in the fall, you'll see him sacrifice the, the strength of those lineups. But if you're, if you're getting, if you're in serious contention for a trophy, you're, you're trying to balance the, the opportunity to win them all. So, um, and, it's a real challenge, but um, it, most of the teams at the top of the Premier League are going to have that challenge this season. Um, maybe if you look at the table right now, the teams up there, maybe um, would Everton have the, the least challenge not being in any uh, European competition? I believe Le- Leicester's still in the Europa League, correct? And yep. uh, Chelsea would be in the – they're still in the Champions League. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> Everton might, is the only one that's not going to have to deal with um, – European competition in the top six, but um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, and then with the with the Premier League being so close that it is, it might be just best to go with the Europa League route to to guarantee yourself. Uh, who are, who are we trying to? Are we, are, is this our plea to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer not to worry about the the Premier League? <laughs> hey man, no, it's, not it's really not that important. Yeah, Let's go for the Europa League, worry, guys. Man. Yeah, yeah, you got to work up to the Premier League. Lay off the gas. You have to win a European competition before you yeah. can win the Premier League. Although, don't tell Pep that because that is not the route he's, uh, he's taken. <laughs> but I mean, speaking about how close the Premier League is so far, like one of the teams that we've been talking about that's been so good this season, and then some on the and they're in the last game that we're going to talk about for for this match week is Chelsea. They're they're in fifth place right now. They've been playing so well, so consistently. They pick up a win here, three nil against West Ham. They're in 25 points, uh, one point out of the Champions League competition between second place and seventh place. There's only two points. So really, really close. So good on Chelsea for picking up the three points here. But it really wasn't like the scoreline for this game doesn't really mirror what the game was actually like when you're if you're watching the whole 90 minutes. West Ham played really well and I would say that they dominated a large part of this game and if they just had a number nine if they just had someone who was could put the ball in the back of the net besides this Hilaire guy like they like he had so many chances and so many good opportunities but they just didn't have anybody up top that can put it in the back of the net so I really feel for West Ham because 
they had a great start to the season. They're still sitting at uh, at 10th right now. And they're still only, I mean, sitting in 10th, they're still only, what, um, I mean, it's seven points, but seven points off of a Champions League spot. And they're only a couple of other points from being in the midst of a Europa League spot. So, uh, unlucky on West Ham, but a good win for Chelsea, certainly. Um, Kyle, I love whenever you don't like uh, the way a player is performing or um, aren't impressed by their ability. Uh, they get the the dreaded uh, that Allaire guy. It's like th- this guy, whoever he th- whoever he thinks he is. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, obviously he he struggled since he uh, he came into their side last season. Not the guy they thought they were uh, getting from the Bundesliga, who um, had really impressive XG stats. And I think some of the advanced analytics guys are saying this guy's going to take the Premier League by storm, and it hasn't happened to this point. So. Clearly, they're they were missing something up top. You're definitely right, but um, I think that they're missing that he's a, that he's an absolute brick <laughs> up top. He is yeah. so slow yeah. and ag- not agile at all. There's no way he's going to get behind a defense yeah. without fast. Here's slow the thing: he we keep saying they're missing something. No, they're missing Antonio. Antonio yeah. is yeah. so so important to their team, and he was yeah. scoring so many goals at the beginning of the year. And he's a really likable guy. So I mean, they're just missing him. They're missing maybe around the locker room a little bit. But they're definitely missing him in some of these games where they seem to be playing well and almost creating some chances. They just need that player up top, like you said, Kyle. And Antonio definitely, hopefully, I don't know what his fitness level is or when he'll be back, but hopefully it's soon. Um, 100%. But all in all, great great match week for those at the who are sitting at the top of the table now. It's it's crucial time right now. It's, it's the most hysterical part of the season where we're just going game after game after game and you need to pick up points. You can't. You can't really afford to drop them like uh, Tottenham has, where they were sitting in first place just two match weeks ago, and now they're in sixth. Like, it's just wild scenes right now for the Premier Yeah, it's definitely crazy. Uh, Speaking about a a crazy period, I'm a little frustrated that I can't watch every team in the Premier League in action on Boxing Day. I – they split it over Saturday and Sunday I know. I'm very sad about that. I imagine that has everything to do with how packed things have to be this season in general because of the – uh, the schedule changes they've made, but um, they really staggered these games out. They're very few actually overlapping with each other, and then they spread them out between Saturday and Sunday. So, um, going to be a fun weekend, though. Yeah, it's it's definitely a fun weekend. Looking forward to it, and we'll be giving out our picks once again for that on our Friday episodes. Uh, thank you everyone for, for tuning into once again, another episode of the virtual pubs premier pod for our review episode on match week 14 tune in on Friday for the episode that we'll be recording on Wednesday, which we may not be recording on Wednesday, but on Thursday, but we'll let you know when it comes out on Friday. So tune in on Friday to find out when we record and to find out when we, who we're doing for our picks for, for the boxing game matchups and like matches on Sunday for match week 15 of the Premier League. So tune in then. (laughs) We'll see you guys then. Bye-bye.